What should the Mariners do with Colton Wong? Could they trade Logan Gilbert this summer? And should Scott Service utilize his bench more? All that and more coming up here on Mailbag Monday. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ahoy, sailors. It is Monday, June 19th, 2023. Happy Juneteenth, everyone. This is Tidding as Alice and Colby Patton for the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube. Or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you're part of the crew and rock with us every single day, let us know in the comments below. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon. You can now get a free seven-day trial to check out the show. The link as well as our social accounts is in the description of this episode. It is Mailbag Monday, the show where we answer your Mariners questions. And we got a couple of questions from our email. LockedOnMariners at gmail.com. That's right. You can ask us questions via there as well, especially if you only listen to the show on Spotify or wherever. Um, So we're going to get into those. We're going to start with an email question. We got another one that's coming a little later on. Uh, But let's start with Dwight here, uh, who asks, currently sitting at 35 and 35, the M's only need to play at a full season 97 win pace the rest of the year in order to finish with 90 wins. With the offense heating up, Wu and Miller back on track, and deadline moves yet to be made, what reason is there not to think the M's are going to win 90 plus for a third straight year? So you said it right there. You mentioned it, the the, the deadline. That's what's going to determine all of this really because the mirrors undeniably have holes even if they go on a, on a run here they have holes that they need to address specifically on the offensive side of things but as we said yesterday if they're going to get on a run they need to do it now because how they perform over the next three to four weeks is going to determine how aggressive or not the mariners get at the trade deadline how aggressive they get to fill their needs they need to be incentivized. Justin Hollander, Jerry DePoto, company, they have to be incentivized to get aggressive at the deadline. And the only way to do that is by winning some games and saying, hey, the wild card is feasible and maybe the division is still feasible as well. So again, you got to get on a run here. You've won five of your last eight. You got a very, very important road trip coming up here. If you can somehow just make it out of this 500, or somehow win, you know, four of six to be on a pretty good track to, to get on a little bit of a heater here going into the all-star break. Cause you got the nationals coming up, you got the rays coming up or, you know, still the best team in baseball, but haven't been playing as well as of late. You got the Astros who are really struggling right now without Jordan Alvarez. And you got a giants team that's winning, but is really banged up as well. So you can bank some wins here, but again, you, this all falls on the shoulders of the Mariners. They have to execute. But this is crunch time now. We are at the point now where it is crunch time, and every single game from here until the end of the uh, end of July will truly determine how the rest of their season will go. So, can they do it? Yes, they absolutely can. But they got they got a lot of work ahead of them. Right. And every day that they don't get on this 97 win pace is one more day that the the pace has to be even better. And the 97 win pace is not easy, even for 97 win teams. That's why there's usually only one team that wins 100 games every year, maybe two. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, it's 
it's not that they only have to be on a 97 win pace to get to 90 that that's doing like that's that's a sustained yeah. run over you know what is i think 92 games left um you gotta you know you gotta pedal to the metal here you gotta be 18 games over 500 the rest of the way out to get to 90 um and that starts by winning these games and putting yourself in a position where maybe it's not necessarily going out and getting Luis Castillo um, at the deadline, but you need to be in a position where a deal like that makes sense to this club, because if you're just hovering around 500, it doesn't matter how nicely the August schedule lays out for you. And it does. If you can't get to a point where you can make hay in August, because your July is in the rest of June and July is so mediocre that the, the club decides not to buy or not to buy aggressively. It's not going to make a difference. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I think, I think it's definitely possible they can get to 97. I wouldn't, or to get to 90 wins, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, uh, but it's, it's got to start now because you're one, you're running out of time. Eventually you're going to get to a point where you're going to need the ridiculously long win streak to get to 90. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's just not something you can count on. Uh, right now you're still at a point where if you win seven out of 10, a couple times throughout this, this year, and then you go, you know, six out of four, a couple or six out of 10, a couple times, uh, then you're going to probably get to 90 if you're just 500 the rest of the way. But if you're, if you're going into July 28th and you're still, you know, I don't know what, how many games that would be at that point. If you're 50 and 50 on July 28th or whatever, now you're talking about needing to go on 110 win pace to, to, you know, get to 90 wins. So, yeah, they could still do it. They certainly can, but they got to start like now and they yeah. had to start like last week and, and they did. They went four and two, which is good. Uh, now they have a tough road trip and they, they got to find a way to at least hold their ground uh, on this tough road trip before they get back home to face a pretty bad nationals team. But uh, yeah, it, the time is now you, you have to start this now. And that doesn't mean that every loss is an indictment on their ability to do it, but every loss is, obviously one fewer opportunity to get to 90. And I think you're going to have to get to 90 to even think about the playoffs. So they got to start uh, getting to work right now. Yeah. It just, it, it makes the the pace that much greater if, you know, with every loss and it also potentially inhibits your ability to go out and get better or to justify going out and getting aggressive to get better. Yeah. So next question here, again, we're going to uh, do our other email question a little bit later on in the show. Let's switch things up here and go to Twitter and check in with Mark, who asks, since Wu and Miller are going well, would you consider trading Logan Gilbert for the right controllable bat? The answer is no. Uh, because, like, Wu, you mentioned him here. He's on a pitch count. He's going to get shut down at some point. We know that for a fact. Depending on the health of Marco Gonzalez, if I'm also trading Logan Gilbert, I potentially have to address two holes in the rotation. And that also makes Bryce Miller all the more likely to start a playoff game for me if that's actually something that factors in, which I don't know if that factors in without Logan Gilbert in the mix. No, there's no bat that you're going to go get in the middle of this year that is going to justify trading Logan Gilbert and you know, there, there's a couple reasons why Gilbert's better than his last few outings. And, you know, maybe Mark's not consciously doing this, but I think there is some concern over Gilbert's last couple of outings that, oh, he might not be that good. Maybe we should trade him. That's not how that works, right? Really good pitchers can have a bad three-week stretch. Luis Castillo uh, had a bad four or five start stretch. I didn't hear anybody trying to trade him. So, you know, whether that's what Mark's doing or not, I don't know, but... 
Uh, I do know there are people out there who are thinking like that. Um, and it just doesn't make sense. By the way, you realize Wu is only two innings away from setting a new career high. That's it, just two. Mm-hmm. So this idea that, well, you have Wu, he can get through the rest of this year. No, he cannot. Wu's probably got another 50 innings in him, which conservatively is eight to 10 starts at most, which gets you to August if you're lucky. That's not going to work. Now you have to go out and you have to get another pitcher. And we know how expensive pitching is. And again, for the right controllable bat, the right controllable bat does not exist on this on this trade market. It's not going to happen. Because like even if you think like hypothetically, let's say it's it's Jonathan India, right? No, you didn't get better. That's a net neutral at best. And you probably got worse because like you said, you don't have the pitching depth to back up Logan Gil- trading Logan Gilbert right yeah. now. And that guy is not Emerson Hancock. All right. Logan Gilbert is steak. Emerson Hancock is baloney. Like they're both meat, but one of them is legitimately good. And the other one is just kind of filler. It's just kind of there. And that's what Emerson Hancock is right now. You cannot rely on Emerson Hancock to be anything this year or next year for that matter. Um, so you can't build around the idea that Hancock might be good. It's just not, it's not feasible. So no, I'm not trading Logan Gilbert. I'm not trading. Uh, I'm not trading George Kirby. I'm not trading Bryce Miller. Uh, I might trade Brian Wu, but even that probably not. So no, it's, it's not a good idea to trade uh, Gilbert because you're not getting Ronald Acuna, right? You're not getting, I mean, you're not getting a star. You're not getting Ozzy Albies for Gilbert. Would you even want to trade Gilbert for Ozzy Albies? Mm, no, probably not. Um, yeah, like Luis Robert was a name that came to mind. I just that's that's not gonna happen. No. Um, look, if, if Robbie Ray was healthy and good, <coughs> I could maybe wrap my head around this a little easier. But that's still even then, season trade. Even then, even then. You know, there's a lot of reliance on Bryce Miller, a lot of reliance on Marco Gonzalez or whoever you get for that fifth spot, whether that's mm-hmm. Emerson Hancock or some trade out there, whatever. There's a lot of variables here where maybe it makes sense on paper, but that's too convoluted for us to hammer out right now. No. And frankly, it's it's not realistic. It's not that's not happening. It's not Plus, happening. So if you wanted to trade Logan Gilbert for three years of a 60 grade bat, wouldn't it make more sense to just go get a 55 grade bat? Who's a rental and only give up Jonathan Classe, and then go out and get that 60 grade bat this winter. You know what I mean? Like it's just not the best allocation of resources. Yeah. This wasn't the only question asking about trading Gilbert, by the way. The answer is no. And I do really feel you you touched upon this. I do really feel like this is kind of a pressing the panic button on his last couple of starts. I know they haven't been particularly good, but Gilbert overall this year has shown some things. He's taken the next step. We've talked about mm-hmm. this on the show. We talked about this, I don't know, a week or two ago that he has taken that next step in, in several different ways. Um, and I just, I, I'm not sure if I just want to, you know, ball that up and throw it in the trash which you're not necessarily doing here because like the idea at face value is trading you know him for like a legitimate good bat i just don't think that guy exists right now yeah but the end of the day, i just don't know if you if you disregard that or discard that because of two bad starts recently 
at the end of the day, Logan Gilbert is worth more than the Logan Gilbert equivalent because starting pitching, good starting pitching is significantly harder to find. Yeah. And it's significantly more expensive to buy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good point. All right. So we got a, a few more questions here coming up in just a moment. But first, a reminder, this episode of the Locked On Mariners podcast is brought to you by eBay Motors. Your championship team is all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head on over to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. He's just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. ebaymotors.com, let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. And you're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen here on Mailbag Monday. Mariners and Yankees start tomorrow. Yankee Stadium. You can catch all the action on the Mariners hometown broadcast with SiriusXM via the SXM app. Let's get back into these questions here. Got Darren McCacken Enjoyer. Gee, I wonder what he's going to end this question with. How does one trade bullpen arms? What makes a team like the M's trade someone like a Justin Topa versus someone like I don't know, a Paul Seawald. Does team control have anything to do with it? Or what makes a team more comfortable trading bullpen arms? Also, we love Darren McCacken. And as always, no, you love Darren McCacken. Now, all right. To answer the question. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of factors, right? It depends on on where you are, where where you want to be next year. Um Depends on, you know, club control, like you mentioned, of course, you know, like this year, for example, the Mariners might are probably more likely to trade someone like Trevor Gott, who has a year left, as opposed to Paul Seawald. It also depends on the value of those guys. Can you get a ridiculous Araldis Chapman type offer for Paul Seawald? Like, can you get Glaber Torres, you know, like that equivalent for Paul Seawald? If so, then, yeah, you definitely consider that. But if not... And if you're planning on contending next year, you need good bullpen arms. If you think Paul Seawald helps you next year more than whatever you're getting offered, then you stick with Paul Seawald. So, yeah. Um, we'll say this club control matters less for relievers than any other position in trade talks. And it's not remotely close because. Yeah, it's nice if Paul Seawald has, you know, an extra year of club control. That's certainly a bonus. But ultimately, if Seawald was only a rental, okay, I'll either re-sign him this winter or I'll just go get another guy out of free agency. There's a ton of relievers that are always available um, every free agency. So I'll just go get a guy to replace him, right? So club control by a lot of times these relievers, they don't even see their full six years. They get non-tendered after year four or five because they start to get expensive. So club control when it comes to relievers overrated. Um, it's just, we kind of assume that it's like that because it's the same with, with starters and, and bats, but it's just not really true uh, with relievers. But like in terms of like, why would the Mariners trade Topa versus why would they trade Seawald? Which one do they like better? 
Which one do they think is more sustainable? Which one do they think is going to be better for the longer period of time? Which one do they think they can help the most? That's really what it comes down to. That's when the Mariners look for these bullpen arms in the first place. They look for, they try to identify something that they can do to help that pitcher reach their max. For Seawald, it was the fastball. It was throwing the fastball up in the zone. Throw that pitch more um, and put it up in the zone instead of down at the knees like the Mets were telling you to do. That's been well documented. You know, they do it with Topa. They do it with Spire. They did, they did it countless other times. Austin Adams, if you want to go way back. So they're good at that. So what the Mariners are looking for, if they were to trade a reliever, they're probably looking for the guy that they think they can replace the easiest that has the skill set that they think is easier. And if the, unless one guy's, you know, getting offered way more than the other guy, then they're probably just going to look and say, okay, well, what skill set do we think we have a better chance of replicating? And that's how they'll make that decision. So yeah, it's just, just about, you got to trust your analytics people. You got to trust your pitching coaches and you got to try and figure out which one of these skill sets do we value more, which player do we think we can help more? And then you consider the cost of, well, what are we getting in return for these players? So it's a little more complicated than just club control. Yeah. Track record, repeatability, market value, all of these things factor in uh, into that discussion. Uh, and again, it does really matter where you are and where you think you're going to be next year as well. Um, when you're weighing, you know, how you personally value these players to your ball club as well. So um, there, there's a lot of factors. There isn't really one, you know, particular rhyme or reason for it. Uh, it's different for every team in every situation. I mean, you just go back to the famous reliever trade, right? Kendall Graveman, two months yeah. of Kendall Graveman cost the Astros four and a half years of Abraham Toro mm-hmm. um, and Joe Smith. Whereas the Mariners were able to go out and get Diego Castillo for prospects like, right. well, and JT Sharkwaugh. So it, it's just yeah. kind of, just kind of depends on the team and it depends on the pitcher and it depends on where each team is in the standings. Because if you're thinking about winning the world series, you're going to pay more for two months of Paul Seawald. You know, if Seawald didn't have club control, which he does, you're going to pay more for that guy than you are Topa just because you just want the better pitcher period. And Seawald's better than Topa right now. So next question here comes from Max. What are the Mariners going to do with Colton Wong? Not playing him for like 10 days and then giving him a random spot isn't helping him at all. He's a good player uh, and deserves to try and figure it out somewhere else. Do we trade him or just release him? I'll tell you this, you're definitely not going to find a trade for him. So, uh, Unless it's a bad contract for bad contract swap. Yeah, which doesn't really occur midseason. But yeah, no. Uh, Colby, I know you have some thoughts on Colton Wong that you wanted to share. Yeah, no, it's pretty much that. Um, you know, nobody's denying that Colton Wong has been a big disappointment this year. Um, there's been some, let's say, revisionist history uh, with a lot of people now stepping up and claiming that they knew Colton Wong was going to be a bum because he's been his entire career. And that's not anywhere near the case. But at the end of the day, Colton Wong has been a very successful major leaguer for about a decade now. He's never had struggles like this whatsoever. And while the Mariners did give him lots of time early, they've pulled the plug on him as of late. And it's basically impossible for Colton to help himself or the ball club if he's going to be on the bench for two weeks at a time. You can't show you you can't show your current team or teams that are out there who might be interested in you 
that you've made these adjustments. You can't show them by hitting in the cage every day. You need live at-bats. The Mariners are in a situation where they can't really afford to give Colton Wong live at-bats if they don't feel confident that he can hit. So it is a bad situation for both of them, but at the end of the day, you got to do what's right by the player. And if you're not willing to use Colton Wong more than once every 12 days, you need to DFA him because yeah. you're not going to trade him. That That's not going to happen. Again, maybe yeah. if you... You could swap them for like Mike Zanino, who just got DFA'd or something like that. That happens on occasion. But at the end of the day, you need to DFA him because you need to give Colton Wong the ability to get regular at bats to show if he can if he can turn this around. It, and by not playing him, you're not giving other teams the possibility of looking at him. Um, and the Mariners really can't afford to play him. So you're kind of just in this scenario here where the Mariners can't afford to play him. Colton Wong can't afford to sit for, you know, 14 days at a time and and mm. expect to have any value going into next year. So what's best for both player and team is that you just DFA the guy, wish him luck, and you move on. Keeping him on your roster and refusing to use him is unfair. It's unfair to Colton Wong. He's a 10-year veteran of Major League Baseball who is going to get another shot somewhere. Allow him to take that shot now. There's no reason not to. I know they sit and say, well, you want to make sure Dylan Moore can play like I'm no, no, I'm just saying no to that BS because if you don't think Colton Wong can play for two straight weeks, like you don't think he's good enough to do that. Then you just call up Mason McCoy. If Dylan Moore needs to go on the IL because you're not going to play Mason McCoy more than once every two weeks. You're doing the player a disservice by just keeping him on your roster and rotting him on the bench and never using him. And again, I get why the Mariners are doing that. Colton Wong doesn't deserve at bats. I totally yeah. get that. So then you DFA him. Yeah. He's yeah. earned that right to go out and try to find a place where he can play, where he can try and rework something and maybe get recoup some value towards the end of the year. He deserves that. So to me, the Mariners have done Colton Wong a huge disservice by just letting him rot on the bench for two weeks. Just DFA him, yeah. DFA him, wash your hands of it. Say, well, we miss, we, we wish Colton well. I mean, he's a good dude. He's been a good player his entire career. It just didn't happen for us. But we we can't, it's not fair to him to sit on the bench for two weeks and expect him to perform when he does play. It's not fair to us to sit here and, you know, basically have a 24-man a roster, uh, you know, while everybody else is playing with 26. So we're going to DFA Colton Wong. It's the right thing to do, period. Just do that. Yep, I tweeted yesterday that it was a uh, time to move on because, as you said, you're not doing him any favors, you're not doing yourself any favors, and you really at this point can't justify giving him at bats either. Yep, they've already time. they've already moved on. This is very Tommy Lastella esque, where it feels long overdue for them right. to. Part they've with. already moved on. They just refuse to make it official, yeah. and that is unfair to the player. Yeah, yeah, they're essentially ghosting him without saying yeah. I'm they're leaving it. With you. Yeah, they're leaving him on red. He's on. Yeah. He's you know, in fa he's in limbo right now. Yeah, it's not fair. Yeah, it's a it's an unfortunate situation. Um, you know, again, look, you mentioned the revisionist history and all this stuff on Colton Wong. Colton Wong, in the last two years, had posted his career best in WRC plus back to back years, and top ten second baseman. <laughs> Like and that's after making mechanical changes. There was yeah. actually a tangible evidence there that something had changed for the better for him offensively. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the defense was a problem, and it's been a problem this year. We thought maybe that you know the Mariners could figure that out, or maybe that 
you know, was uh, a fluke, essentially. Um, it wasn't, you know, these things happen. That's that's baseball, unfortunately. You know, sometimes you acquire guys and for inexplicable reasons, they fall off. Jesse Winker. Yep. Jesse Winker. I thought Jesse Winker was going to be amazing this year in Milwaukee after being a, a massive disappointment in Seattle this past year. And it's just been more of the same, you know? And I don't really know how that's possible because Jesse Winker, it's like a top 10 hitter in Major League Baseball for like four straight years <laughs> before that. Yep. Like, these things just happen. There's no explanation for it, really. And so all you can really say is that, you know, it's a bummer. That's it. All right. You're listening to the Lockdown Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen here on Mailbag Monday. Again, you can catch the Mariners and the Yankees starting tomorrow on the Mariners hometown broadcast with Sirius XM via the SXM app. Uh, we've got another question via email. And oh, my, that is tiny on the screen. All right. I got to zoom in. All right. This comes from SMs. Uh, hey, guys, I had a ballpark question for you. What are some good spots to loiter around slash enjoy the game from inside of T-Mobile Park? My seat at today's game in the 300 section gave me crippling vertigo, and I had to leave the game painfully early as I could not stand the panic attack it was causing me. I always see the ballpark shots on TV of fans uh, my, milling around gathering area, uh, milling around gathering areas of the ballpark, but I have no idea where they are or if they're restricted. Thanks. All right. So uh, this is a question solely for Colby to ask because uh, let's just say the last time I was at T-Mobile Park, it wasn't called T-Mobile Park, and Johan Santana was starting for the Minnesota Twins. Yeah, let's just say Ty's not a real Mariners fan because he refuses to come visit his home ballpark, um, even when his best buddy's going to be there. But uh, anyway, and is and one of his favorite players growing up is getting inducted into the mm-hmm. team all of mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. two years in a row. Hmm. How about that? Um, so yeah, the three hundred levels where I like to hang out. So if if that's causing you issue, obviously we have to eliminate that. Um, I do wonder how high up you were because the seats kind of get pretty narrow as you get towards the top. Whereas if you're in the bottom row of the three hundred level, it's fine. Uh, the the places most people hang out there's Edgar's uh cantina you can go in there um there is the there is the the pen which is in center field uh you see a lot of overhead shots that is in the center field gate um you actually it's a little it's a little tricky you have to go downstairs to the street level uh to get to the pen which is where a lot of people hang out watch the game well watch the games a bit strong but there are a lot of people who hang out down there some watch the game some just talk and you know throw out some horrible pickup lines that I'm sure sometimes work, but the pin is another one. If you get there really early, like, I mean, when gates open, you can get along the railing of like where the bullpen guys warm up and where they pitch. And you can watch an entire game from there. There's also the tower in right center field by the Edgar or by the uh, Dave Niehaus statue out there where you can walk up a flight of stairs and you can lean on the railing and it's not, you're not at the 300 level. So you're not way up there but you're slightly above the 100 level. So um, yeah, I would, I would try the pen uh, the best way to get to the pen uh, to make sure you get a good spot or the, or Edgar's or the railing uh, by the bullpens, either where any of those spots, you probably want to get there early, uh, which is right when gates open. Unfortunately, you want to go to the center field entrance, which is all the way around back towards where the, uh, the train tracks are. That gate will open up 30 minutes before all the other gates. You want to go through there, 
you want to hang a right when you get through the gate and that entire area, there's some restaurants, there's beer and there, it, there's a little team shop right there. You'll see a big open patio. That is, that is the pen. And that is where a lot of people hang out. And that's probably the shots you've seen that you're referring to. It's right there, right. As you walk in from the center field gate, don't go up the stairs from the center field gate, hang a right, stay on the street level and you'll find the open patio or you'll find the railings where you can lean on to watch uh, the game from, you know, near the bullpen uh, area. That's probably your best bet. Uh, another spot that you might be referring to is Trident Deck. And Trident Deck is always like reserved for get togethers, right? Like it's, it's typically it's also, closed. It's also a 300 level. Yeah. It's also 300 level. And it's, yeah. uh, can you see the game from the Trident Deck? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. There's also the boardwalk, but that is also a 300 level. I'm sure you saw it. It's right behind home plate. That's a really cool area just to kind of overlook the the city and the water and all that stuff. But uh, again, we're trying to avoid the 300 level. It sounds like you want to go to the pen or to Edgar's cantina where like big groups of people congregate. Um, your best bet is to go in through the center field gate. It opens two hours before first pitch. The other gates open an hour and a half. And then you just want to stay on the street level. Don't go up the stairs, just hang a right. And you should be able to get into the pen. Now, Colby, I, I have to ask you, you know, you, you're saying that I, I, I'm not a real fan, right? That I, you know, I haven't been to the ballpark, et cetera. But do you have your name on a brick at T-Mobile Park? Let me ask you this, Ty. Have you ever left a Mariners game early to miss one of the best comebacks in franchise history? Because yeah, that, that's a that's that's a the last I, part of that is a little bit of a stretch. I have never one of the greatest left a Mariners game early. Actually. Have you? I have. I have. I'll admit it. Imagine that. It wasn't. No. It wasn't Dad, because of the game. Daddy bought a brick, so all of a sudden I'm a real Mariners fan, even though I, me, Colby, literally sticks around even when they're down thirteen to four against the I'm, Yankees. But I'm Ty, sorry, oh have no, you we seen got it? dinner have, reservations. Can't watch him come back and beat Toronto because I got to get to this uh, restaurant. Uh, Col- Colby, have you have you seen a, a playoff win in person? Uh, I don't know actually. I can't remember because I think I went to playoff games in '97 and 2001, and obviously gotcha. this last year. So I might have been there for one. Well, I've I don't seen think I was two, Colby. I've seen two. Oh, huh, that's cool. Did you see Cal Raleigh's clinching home run? Did you help each year? I saw his Hall of Fame. I, I saw his home run off of Alec Manoa what? in uh, game one of the wild card. Cool, cool. Uh-huh. Were you there when we celebrated Edgar being inducted into the Hall of Fame? How about when we put Ichiro in the team Hall of Fame? Will you be there when Ichiro gets inducted into the actual Hall of Fame? I mean, Kurtztown is actually not that far from Toronto. So are, are you just there because they happen to be in your town? Because I travel out of my way to go be with the Mariners. For you. It's like a thirty-minute bus ride. So, listen, man. If you want to, if you want to send me some cash, like throw some cash my way, so I can make it out. I'm down. Sorry, man. I'm spending I, my own cash on me. I won't say no. I won't say. I no. spend my own cash on me. You spend your cash on you. <laughs> so, there you go. all right, we we're already at thirty-one minutes, and we have three questions left. It's your so fault. Lightning round. Lightning round. Wildcat oblong. As uh, Lance Lynn looked very comfortable pitching in Seattle today, and he did. Should we take a shot at acquiring him? What do you think the cost would look like? Was he really that good, though? Was he really? It's like, how many whiffs did he end up with? He had like 32, I think. Yeah. Which, by the way, he had 20, 
five, I think, after th- after four innings. So, 23. 23. Yeah, yeah, if you think about it, after that, they only had nine. That's, you know. But, uh, yeah, Lynn, Lynn looked good. I don't think it was just because he liked the mound at T-Mobile, though. Um, no, it was exactly because of that. He liked uh, okay, the feel well, of the ballpark, the atmosphere. That's, sure, if, he, yeah. if he's going to do that every time at T-Mobile Park, then you should trade Brian Wu for him. <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, yeah, no, he's a guy that Ty and I have talked about. It's been a while since we talked about Lance Lynn, but the White Sox are a really obvious team um, Yeah, that they're going to sell. And they've already come out and said we're only interested in selling rentals, which is Lynn stupid. Is eh? kind of a rental. Right. Kind of. he's, a, he's a year and a half guy. But if, like, if I think not, they could be talked if, into it. If they're really not willing to trade Lance Lynn um, because he's got a year of club control left, they are the dumbest organization in baseball. And to be fair, they might already be anyways, but um, they're morons. If they're not willing to trade the Lance Lynn. Rockies. I mean, at least the angels are winning right now. Rockies is a good one. Did you um, just give the angels a compliment? They're like eight games over 500. Yeah. Gross. So Gross. Yeah, well, we'll see how they blow it. It'll be fun to watch. Uh, remember last year, how they blew it 17 game losing streak or something like that. So mm, yeah. there's time. There's time. Uh, uh but yeah, yeah. Lynn, I think you should. I think you should be interested in Lynn uh, mm-hmm. either this summer or next winter when you know you're going to have to replace Robbie Ray for at least half the year. I think a guy like Lynn makes a lot of sense. He won't be too terribly expensive. There are going to be a lot of teams that are going to be scared away by his salary, um, which is you know a pretty hefty price to pick up in the middle of the year. And unfortunately, I can't say the Mariners won't be one of them, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, I think they should be interested in Lynn. I don't think it's going to cost a ton. I bet you could get Lynn for a package that's headlined by like Jonathan Clausse. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe it costs you Emerson Hancock on the high end. I'm which, I'm very into the idea, especially if that's the cost. Yeah, I know I, he hasn't like like yesterday was it was the outlier. It was an outlier. But, he's been bad this year, but he's never been as bad. Yeah, as he's been I'm, this year. So yeah, I'm I'm very much on the on the Lance Lynn uh, train here. Uh, we'll probably do a trade a day about him at some point. Probably. Um, yeah. Again, we you know don't have a lot of time to get into him right now, yeah. but uh, we'll we'll talk about him some more before the uh, the deadline approaches. Yeah. All right. Next question. CNC talks. How many more games does Wu have before he likely hits an innings cap? Also, is he a likely trade ship if we start to climb the standings? So we basically address this earlier on in the show you said that you think that Wu has about 50 innings left and that's probably on the high end yeah which yeah. is probably safe to say then eight to ten starts at most maybe a short script him once or twice you get an extra start out of him but yeah i think it's probably 50 innings max and another eight to ten starts max and then maybe they move him to the bullpen after that or maybe because I, I don't think they're just going to shut him down. And I think if you get him to 100 innings and then he becomes a bullpen guy who pitches every like third day, sure. you know, yeah. then you could probably squeeze an extra 15 out of him because it'll be more broken up. But you're not just going to run Wu into the ground to keep him, you know, pitching every five days. So, yeah, I think I would say at most 10 starts, 10 more starts uh, for Wu. It's probably closer to eight. Um, and he could be traded. But I would I would classify that as unlikely. I, I don't think there's a guy out there that the Mariners are going to be willing to trade Brian Wu for this summer. Well, because now Wu's proving it. I mean, obviously, you know, the numbers don't look great because of that one start against the Rangers, but 
we were right now and shorts, you know, small sample size, but we were right now has proven that he can, he can do it at the major league level right now. And because of that, he's certainly one of the, I don't know, 50 most valuable young assets there is right now in the game. Probably seven. So basically six full years of a starting pitcher who's already shown mid rotation stuff and isn't even fully done developing yet. Like, yeah, he's, he'd be pretty valuable. So maybe, but like, I honestly think that for the Mariners to be interested in training Wu right now, they'd have to be getting something like Jonathan India. And obviously that's not going to happen. The the Reds are winning too much right now. Well, I mean, yeah, but even, even if they weren't, I probably not going to happen. So I would say, no, it's not likely, but it's not impossible. All right, last question of the day from Ham Swaggerty 69. Everybody wants to while. talk about how and improve this roster. And hey, I get it, but I feel like this is also a bench utilization issue. Why not the Pollock, Murphy, and more against righties a little bit more? I know you're trying to protect them, but Pollock and Murph in particular. Colby, you got any thoughts on this? Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, I think... AJ Pollock needs to play a little bit more because you just, you have to know, right? Because if Pollock is not going to hit, right, that's just not going to happen this year. Then you have to go out and you have to get an AJ Pollock because the idea behind Pollock makes a ton of sense. And he's, he's managed to help you. He said, if he's hit a few big home runs, Uh, he's managed to play pretty good defense. He's a good base runner. So why not give Pollock, you know, 10 days as much as his body can handle where he's in the lineup, every day dh right field left doesn't matter right just get him in the lineup every day and see what he's going to do because the odds that he helps you more than mike ford pretty significant the odds that he can do that when he's only playing once every four days pretty much zero so yeah i I think you do need to give pollock uh you know more at bats i'm actually okay with the the usage of murphy um i'm fine with that he should pretty much only be hitting against lefties occasional righty um sure if the matchup is good but if if you're if it's a righty with like a good breaking ball, which is a lot of righties, it's probably not the best matchup for for uh, Murphy. And then with with Dylan Moore, it's it's really just about what can his body handle right now, because last night, right or yesterday during yesterday's game, you know, Colton Wong bunt single gets on first. You don't pinch run Dylan Moore. You don't use Dylan Moore as a defensive replacement or Caballero for that matter. But like. It, it doesn't seem it seems to me like if Moore's not in the starting lineup, he's not available for that day, mm-hmm. so, which means they're really trying to ease him in. So I don't know how much more you could put on Dylan Moore physically. So that one I'm, I'm unsure of. I think they should use Pollock more. I think you need to give him what they'd never gave. Well, what they never gave Tommy LaStella and what they barely gave Colton Wong uh, at, after, you know, middle of May. You need to give him a legitimate stretch of at bats to see if there's something here that that he can do to help you more. Uh, because if not, that's a that's a position you might actually have to go out and, and fix. Uh, thankfully, like the second base problem, you've kind of managed that with Caballero continually getting hit by pitches and, and walking. So you don't have a black hole at second base. But Pollock's role is an important role. It's one you want to have filled with a good player. So you need to know if that is Pollock or if you need to go out and get somebody else. So I, I do think you need to play Pollock. I would like to see pa- Pollock get four starts on this upcoming road trip. My guess is he gets one or two which I think is a waste, but I'm kind of curious to see if, if if Dylan Moore is actually long for the 2023 roster does have three minor league options left. And look, he, you miss 
all of your off-season activities, you miss all of spring training, you get kind of rushed into your first rehab stint, you suffer a setback, then you make the next, you know, rehab stint, and now you're back in the big leagues after, you know, only a handful of games, really. Um, there's a lot of action and conditioning Dylan Moore has missed over the last six months, seven months. Yeah, he looks like a guy who hasn't participated in baseball activities for the last eight months. Yeah. Pollock, on the other hand, you know, he had a really good month of, of May, 222, 326, 417. That's a 111 WRC+. plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games in the month of June, negative 12 WRC+, plus during that time. I don't know. It, it's weird. It's It's really weird assessing him because there's again like he's gone on a stretch where he's looked pretty good like he's looked like the guy that you basically signed him to be and then there's this other version of aj pollock that we've seen that's been utterly unusable um i wonder if that's maybe just a a a lack of consistency in his game reps and and plate appearances or if he might actually just be washed. the The real concern is still the 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 splits against lefties. He hasn't been good against lefties, which is what you brought him in to do, right? And that's another one of those inexplicable things, like Colton Wong, like Jesse Winker, like where it's just all right. Yeah, maybe you would suffer some regression on that front, but to this degree, like what, yeah, what the hell is going on there? So I don't know. Um, this team is probably going to need a, a bench shakeup at some point, especially if they are going to compete. Um, yep. And I just, I don't know if, if they are competing this year for the postseason and, and potentially more, if Dylan Moore is a part of it, if AJ Pollock's a part of it, Colton Wong, certainly not a part of it. So this bench is probably going to look a little bit different. Um, and, you know, three or four weeks time, which, which is fine. As long as you go get the everyday bat too. Yeah. Yeah. Don't just, supplement with the yeah. Jake Lambs and the Kirk Casales of yeah. the world. No, you need the everyday bat. Yeah. If you absolutely. do that, then go get the Jake Lambs and, and blah, blah, blah. But get the big guy. All right. Well, thank you everyone for submitting your questions. We really appreciate it. Uh, hashtag JP for ASG. Send us your all-star game ballots. You guys have been great with that via email and on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners or LockdownMariners at gmail.com. Send us a screenshot of your ballot voting J.P. Crawford into the All-Star Game, and you enter for a chance to win Colby's signed Luis Castillo card. It's a beautiful card. You definitely want to get in on that. All you have to do is vote for J.P. Crawford and show us proof of that. All right, that's going to do it for our show. Again, you can catch the Mariners and the Yankees on the Mariners Hometown Broadcast with SiriusXM via the SXM app starting tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tidy Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. It's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z. And Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok as well over at Locked On Mariners. That's one word, Locked On Mariners. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. Thank you again for making us your first listen. Have yourself a beautiful baseball day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Peace.